Hi, this is Dave Douglas. You're listening to the Greenleaf Music Podcast, A Noise from the Deep. Uh, thanks for joining us. Episode 42, I believe. And uh, you can get all the episodes for free at iTunes and at our website, greenleafmusic.com. Uh, today we're talking to the great tenor saxophonist and composer James Brandon Lewis. Um, but I just want to mention that uh, we do appreciate getting mail from listeners. Uh, send an email to podcast at greenleafmusic.com. Um, and you can rate us and review us. Obviously, we hope for your positive reviews, but you, you never know. So, but anything at all, it's good for us to know. I was just talking to James here about how yes. you do these things yes. in isolation. And so it's good to hear from people and thank you for listening. Um, so we're going to get going with this episode with James Brandon Lewis, who... Importantly, I think, is originally from Buffalo, New from York. From Buffalo, New York, yes. Yes. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Yes, thanks for having me so much. How does Buffalo fit into the musical side of your life? Um, well, um, you know, just growing up there, it's very varied um, musical uh, experiences. My mom um, definitely was like an early influence. I mean, she sang, um, not professionally, but she had an opportunity, but decided not to go that route, and she was a teacher. Um, but she used to take me every week um, to Albright Knox Art Gallery in the summertime. Oh, They great. have jazz, and yeah. I got to hear um, a lot of different different cats. Um, I've been there, yeah. Yeah, yeah really, I didn't know about it, but uh, yeah, a couple really, years ago. Yeah, really beautiful yeah, um, experience. And so um, she just sort of engulfed me into music, and I responded because... You know, I've I've always loved music, uh, especially the emotional content of it, um, and so um, that led to me going to performing arts school, uh, Buffalo Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts, from fifth grade to twelfth. Um, and I studied with a gentleman um, outside of school, Carol McLaughlin, who was basically like peers to, I would say. Um, well, he's affiliated with this guy, Alvin Shepard, who was responsible for teaching Grover Washington Jr. Hmm. Um, and Alvin Shepard um, is a legend in, um, in Buffalo and was running with people like Dizzy Gillespie and Miles Davis at an historic place in Buffalo called the Colored Musicians Club. Uh, which still exists and, of course, was formed at a time when there wasn't, uh, in, for black uh, Americans, uh, inclusion into the regular union. So they decided to have their own union, their own club, and it still exists today. Um, so that was my whole introduction. My mom was, like, heavy into and heavy into smooth jazz and different things. And, you know, once I started private lessons, it was more like, okay, go to uh, Record Theater, uh, which unfortunately is closing. One of the locations is closing. A store owner died. Part of the, I think it's across from the University of Buffalo. Um, I went to Record Theater. I picked up a Charlie Parker record. Um, it was like the Charlie Parker All-Stars or something like that. And um, I remember, well, my first response was, um, you know, I kind of looked at my saxophone and I, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know if, Inspired was the word. I was more intimidated because uh, I said, "Wow, like, uh, is this what the saxophone is supposed to sound like?" <laughs> you know. And then later on, the inspiration came. But uh, Buffalo has a rich—I mean, rich history. I mean, Alvin Shepard, Charles Gale, um, Annie DeFranco. You know, Rick James. There's also a good music school there too, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. There's yeah. Um, well, there's also there's Eastman School of Music, which is in Rochester, mm -hmm. and then you have. University of Buffalo is pretty good, mm -hmm. and Buffalo State is, you know, good for like music edu music education, music teachers, and mm -hmm. teachers in general. Um, but and I actually before I went, I went to Howard University. That's where I graduated. But mm -hmm. before that, I was at Buffalo State College. Oh, okay. I was a music edu education major uh, mm -hmm. at the urging of my mom, who was a teacher, mm. and um, I that just wasn't the final chapter in the story for me. I, I, I wanted to leave Buffalo. I grew up there and I, I needed that drive and that push. So I 
went to went to Howard, and I got that. Right. Yeah. And then you went to Cal Arts. And then I went to Cal Arts. Very different. What yes, Leo very, Smith? Very different. Charlie Hayden. Yes. <laughs> so when I Vindolia, met you, yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of people. But Bobby when Prince. I met you, you were still at Cal Arts. I think. You yeah, I was at the... Cal Arts. I was. I just finished when we met. I just finished um, my first year at Cal Arts. Okay. You know, because John Lindbergh was there. Oh. Because wow. um, he was subbing for Wadada, who was on sabbatical my first year. Okay. It was. John Lindbergh and Don Moye. Famadou Don wow. Moye. Yeah. That's great. Six weeks of both. And it was great. Yeah. 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 And so that piece that we just heard, Reflection from your album Moments. Yes. Which is 2010. Right. I think you were writing it when you were at Banff. Yeah, I was writing. I was still working on it at Banff. And um, I brought it in and we talked about just some compositional ideas to keep the melodic line flowing if it if it repeats, um, in changing the chords where the chords are moving. Um, and so I was like, wow, you know, this is cool. And that's something that stuck with me, hmm. you know, and I had a that was one of the things at Banff when, you know, you and I met that was just a beautiful, um, a beautiful experience, a lot of beautiful experiences. But um, yeah, I'm glad that yeah. That ha- I mean, glad that I heard you, but yeah. also that you had a good experience there. No, it was learning. it was it was beautiful. I mean, I yeah. connected with a lot of the faculty there, um, mm-hmm. you know, which was also um, the moments that album was made in 2010. It was also during that time at Banff that also an aunt of mine was very ill and she ended up dying. Mm. So I wasn't, com- I was immersed in Banff, but mm-hmm. my head was all kinds of places. Um, but then, you know, out of that, I decided not to wait and to start putting my music out. Like mm-hmm. after that, you know, that's after she right. passed, yeah. it was like, okay, I'm not waiting on the call. I'm going to make, and then mm-hmm. that's when Moments came out in 2010 because wow. she died in 2009. So it was really like, yeah, you know. <laughs> that's a. Yeah. That's a heavy moment of inspiration. Yeah, you yeah, no, it was, it was serious. You have to say something. And yeah. I mean, in a way, um, I was listening to your record, the more recent record, Days mm-hmm. of Free Man, right. and you have these recordings of your grandmother, yes. Pearl Lewis, talking. Yes, yes. And Shout so, out to Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to play some of that, but of I mean, tell, how did that... Uh, um, basically, I had this thing about never... I don't want to forget what her voice sounds like mm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, it was just a ho- the holiday season. And, and I, she has nice things to say about you. She does. <laughs> she does. <laughs> and she keeps it real. You know, yeah. I mean, there was a lot there was a lot that I a lot of conversation that I did not include. But um, my, my grandmother's definitely um, has her own way of of thinking and being. And um you know, especially for her generation. I mean, she'll be 80 soon. And, you know, her her views on even politics were like, well, um, I don't see any of these politicians helping me build my house because her and my grandfather built their house from the ground up. And she just had different outlook on life, you know. And, and on top of that, I wanted to include her just because, you know, just to show that um, that bridge between generations you know that it's not that it's not that different and what they're saying is 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 important you know yeah and that and it means a lot to me you know a lot of times we're always like well they're old or this person is this and Mm -hmm. you know and we sort of lose that connection but but i also when i first heard this album and you know the name days of free man i didn't know that it referred to Freeman Street. Yeah, in Freeman Buffalo, Street. Yeah, I grew up on you, Freeman Street in Buffalo. New so York. all of this tying into the recordings yeah. of your grandmother. It's yes. a very personal yes. statement. Yes, definitely. Personal. So let me just you know. Awesome. So we're not just talking about it. Awesome. Right? <laughs> okay. So we'll play break three. Okay. From cool. the album, and awesome. then we'll play a little bit of uh, Lament for J. Lou. Yes. Awesome. All right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It wasn't so bad. Because I knew how to love. I was taught. Is that freedom? Love. And trained. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was trained by two parents that were God, 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 God,
how to understand what love was all about. Life's road, and I struggled through it. I went with the good, went with the bad, but I kept God on my side because I knew Him by the age of twelve, really the age of nine. And during that time, I was blessed because I had older people over me that we had to. There was a lot of respect going on in the church. My first grandson. The most gorgeous. for J. Lou from the album Days of Freeman uh, by James Brandon Lewis. James, so now you have electric instruments in your bands, and that's John (laughs) Ladine Takuma, Rudy Royston, two of my favorite players. Um, That's kind of a change for you, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was definitely quite a change. Um, I know that, well, speaking of this composition, I wrote it for my dad, and I really needed... It, it had a lot to do with, you know, your your compositional plate, like your tools and what, what you would like to happen in mm. the music. And so I wanted a very, like, kind of rock-esque vibe to it, and but still open. Um, and so, um, you know, Jamal Adin, it was kind of, you know, recommended to me by some folks, and I was like, okay, cool. I think this is... Uh, also with his work with Primetime, of course, Ornette. Um, I really dig a lot of that stuff. And then Rudy Royston, um, I met through J.D. Allen, mm-hmm. um, who was a, also an, uh, an amazing uh, tenor player that, you know, I really have uh, much respect for, and we communicate and talk about composition and different things. So I just felt it was the right, the right fit, and... Um, I'm basically chasing energy, really. I mean, like, I think the electric instruments, you know, it can be fiery with acoustic instruments, but mm-hmm. the electric is more like um, there's just a, a certain kind of crunch, uh, kind of a, electric <laughs> feel to it that... Um, Maybe you think like more immediacy, like more yeah. impact. It's yeah, more, more like, impact. It's more like in your face. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. um, you know. So I felt that 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 would be cool. And plus, I like you know, based even from my first my first album moments. You know, I like this kind of funk and hip hop and rock elements and and mixing it with free. Um, so that's that's what I want. That's what I wanted. I wanted a different. A, a sound to bring it to bring it current or maybe maybe current isn't the right word but um you know we associate uh sometimes with electric instruments if someone goes from acoustic to electric oh my goodness what are they doing mm-hmm. and yeah. for me you know i kind of embrace the challenges of music like i don't 
I'm not going to keep making the same record over and over again just because it might sound um, like the thing to do or you know, or the right thing to do. I'm going to challenge myself. And it was challenging. I mean, for instance, the kind of hearing that you need to play with an acoustic bass is completely different than when you're playing with electric bass. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's electric bass is like pretty spot on. Like once they're in tune, it's like bam, you know? And so me having to be aware of that and adjusting to that where acoustically, you know, an acoustic bass, the, you know, the overtones and everything is ringing just differently. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, but you know, for the most part, that's, so there were many different I challenges. Think I know what you mean. And yeah. when you say chasing energy, yeah. I mean, there's always a spiritual aspect in your work, right. acoustic or electric. And right. it just That's feels true. like it's a you know, a, a a way that you feel like you're able to project that yeah, of feeling course. of the spirit. Of course. And and you know, you've talked about your church. Your grandmother certainly talked right. about the church. And, yeah, definitely. And it sounds to me like that's where your experience with music began. Yes, for sure. And that that's still present that's, in there. That's definitely still a part a part of my experience. But this chasing the energy um, in the church experience the spirit, versus the, chasing the, Holy the spirit <laughs> in the school right uh, school you, environment. You, know, you went to yeah. you, you had let's say you had a lot of situations where right. you were around right people who were able to guide you. Right. That's and true. And get that. That's true. So do you see a difference? Um, I would say that there, yeah, there's definitely a difference. Uh, I've been fortunate enough when I went to CalArts to have professors who also, you know, had the spiritual component like Charlie Hayden and Wadala mm -hmm. Leo Smith. Yeah. We would talk a lot about, you know, yourself in relationship to the music um, going for hikes, going for walks, being in tune with yourself and your environment, mapping mapping yourself, mapping how you feel within the context of of life, and then however you're that mapping, you would then try to compose with that with that feeling to try to capture that feeling, but with you know with notes. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the difference between school and church is. You know, school is so far, sometimes for me at times, felt so far removed from what actually goes on in life. Like I spent two and a half years out of school after Howard. Mm -hmm. You know, I I left, I graduated in 2006. And I think after that, you know, that's when music as as a philosophy, as a as a way of life, as a seeing music and hearing music in your everyday life, you know, um, is important. And I think you know, when I was going to church, church, you're a vessel for the music to pass through you. It's not really about you. There's music playing, but it's about the congregation, and it's about people bringing the good times, the bad times to service, but then to be uplifted. So it's less about you. It's like a, it's a selfless experience. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when I came to church, if the, if the minister needed to hear a specific song from the choir every week, it was not about whether or not you felt like doing it. It was more that everyone agreed that this is the vibration that we need to be in on a week-to-week -week basis. Right, and you're serving the community. Right, serving serving the community. With that right. music. Right, exactly. Where school is, you know, it's more, it really is more of an I thing. And maybe huh. that has a lot to do with, you know, um, I got a lot of spiritual components from individual professors, but that has more to do with, you know, you're, you're, you're going to school, maybe your parents told you you have to go to school, or, you know, now you have loans and you have, so you're trying to get the best out of your, your I experience, but then things come full circle once you're out of school and you realize, hmm. oh, wow, this is, oh, this is actually... Is that one of the things that led you to move to New York in 2012? Yeah, what I, yeah, I think there was a couple things that led me to move to New York. Number one, well, let's just put it like this i think that i wasn't the kid who dreamed about moving to new york or la but surprisingly mm. enough i ended up in both of those places <laughs> um but it was the encouragement of a few individuals um um matthew ship i met matthew ship in 2011 
at a residency, another residency in Florida, Atlantic Center for the Arts. Okay, I just have to point out that I yes. met Matthew Ship in, oh my God, 1984. Oh, so wow. I guess that dates both one. of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. Yes. Sorry. I just had it's to all upset. good. It's all good. But uh, um, Wadada Leo Smith encouraged me to move to New York and uh, James Newton, um, who, I got a, who I got an opportunity to work with. Um, all those individuals I got an opportunity to work with in different in different capacities. And Wadada wanted you to move to New York, yeah, just because he felt that's where the opportunities for you yeah, to he felt pursue like, your path. Yeah, I yeah. mean, him and James Newton were like, uh -huh. you know, New York would be the place for you to go and um, and do the kind of you know eclectic kind of things that you that we hear you doing or trying to do in your music, and so. I mean, same thing with Matthew Shipp. When I was working with him, we talked about third stream music. We talked about many different elements of uh, Dennis Sandoli. We talked. We just talked about all of these kind of different components. Mm -hmm. And actually, when I met Matthew Shipp, that was the first time. Speaking of changes, we go from moments to Days of Freeman and Divine Travels and No Filter. All of those are trio albums. But before I met Matthew Shipp, you know, I I didn't really have a clue necessarily that I could just play with a bass and a drum until I met him and he brought some people from Sam Rivers who played with Sam Rivers um, to wow. the residency. And, uh -huh. and he's like, well, just play with bass and drum. I said, OK, cool. You know, and so that opened up another world. Oh, this would have been in Florida then, yeah, right? Florida. Where Sam lived. Yeah. yeah. And yep. he had a great band. Yeah. yeah. So wow. that was cool. And then you, is that how you met William Parker and Gerald Cleaver? Yes, that's how. Um, basically, um, there was like a three week residency, and we were studying and all this stuff. And I was playing with bass and drum, and the world kind of opened up to me at that point of like, wow, okay, I can control my melodic line. You know, I don't have to have like a harmonic instrument like kind of dictating where I should go or comping, and you know. It was just like the, the ideas were endless, you know, or it felt like it felt. I like think that. this piece desensitized is a really good example of yes, that. Actually, definitely, it definitely because is because it, it's moving forward and you know with the melodic direction. Right, definitely moving and forward. And you and William are—it's very conversational, but right? Between all three of you, really. Right. No, that was a, that was a beautiful experience. Matthew was like, "Oh, you should record William and Gerald." And at the time, I was like, "I mean, they don't." Why would they record with me? But <laughs> but anyways, it happened. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And Desensitized um, is basically, um, you know, I have like one motive um, and then I repeat it where it almost sounds like it's two saxophones. What I'm trying to do is like enclose that first. It's like I'm enclosing that first thing. Uh, mm -hmm. that's the second time around um, so that was something that or just the, the whole process of maybe accompanying myself or trying to make two saxophones um, and not so much like uh, like bass or figure bass kind of thing or polyrhythmic just thinking I'm going to play one phrase and then try to enclose that phrase within another so yeah let's hear some of that cool desensitized Thank you. 
desensitized. It's yeah. great. James Brandon Lewis. So William Parker and Gerald Cleaver. Yes. And on this record, you did a medley of uh, of, of spirituals. Yeah, too, I did a medley right? of uh, Wade in the Water and Sometimes I Feel Like a Motherless Child. Um, and basically, I mean, this kind of thing that we do, even though, you know, it's, you know, it's very improvisational and, and free, um, you know, it really happens all the time at church. It really does. Like where you're you playing, mean, where you're playing a piece and it morphs into another piece. I see. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just like, right. you know, kind it, of in the flow of a service, mm -hmm. really, you know, when people are getting excited. <laughs> in the church. Yeah, but I think that maybe that's, um, I mean, you know, in the church, you're a part mm -hmm. of this ceremony. Right. That's a celebration of that. Right. And then when we're out just playing music, not right. in the church, right. we're also channeling the spirits. That's true. But with a, sometimes from a very different place. I don't know. Right. Maybe not. That's true. But do you feel like you have to summon that same spirit and do you like work on getting yourself to that place yeah in, i definitely try to get to that place mm -hmm. all the time i try to you know um get to that place of intention you know i i i, I do work on a lot intention of of a note if I, you know if i'm playing a long tone or whatever and i'm trying to actually Sometimes I do, sometimes I do, I used to do this a lot when I was living in California. I would do visualization exercises where my feet are fully planted and maybe there's a tree um, so many feet away from me and I'm blowing, you know, and I'm actually pretending like I'm inches away from the tree, trying to blow and have that intention and feeling like the earth is pulling me down to give that weight uh, to a note. But yeah, definitely there's always intention with, with the note, you know, trying to to figure out um, like if I'm sad or if I'm happy or or I feel like I'm trying or if I'm if I am calling out to God like what would that sound like um, you know I'm definitely conscious of that you know I, I try to be in a very deliberate uh, mindset when I'm playing because it's it's not you know I have fun and music is very enjoyable mm -hmm. but it's also you know it's also serious you know it's People who are, who I've experienced, um, it's just like when I first met you, I knew immediately that, you know, wow, this is going to be an amazing experience because, you know, Dave is serious about music and, you know, everybody at Banff was very serious about music and we had fun, but it was, you know, there's just a, a level of intention. It's the same thing when I met Hank Roberts, mm. too, and he was oh. very spiritual in his... Yeah. Yeah. In his delivery of talking to the students. That's uh, right. You know, it wasn't about, you know, the notes on the page or, or getting it right. All that has a purpose for sure. But, yeah, no, there's definitely some intention there. Thank you. 
Waiting Child in the Motherless Water from the James Brandon Lewis album Divine Travels with William Parker and Gerald Cleaver. Uh, that's beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's hard, you know, talking about the spirit and music and then you hear the music and right. it's kind of like, okay, well, <laughs> right. <laughs> we are here to talk. Right, exactly. When you were saying something about... Uh, no, I was saying when I, um, you know, as far as eclectic music taste and, mm. and just different music that can touch you. You know, I remember uh, in our first interactions and you bringing in, I think it was Dogen AD, uh, Terry Riley's NC. Julius Hemphill. Yeah, Terry Julius Riley. Yeah, Hem- right. We used to play NC. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And it fit, it that time period in my life fit everything that was happening when I, when I first went to CalArts. You know, yeah. CalArts, I was exposed to I mean, Harry Parch and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Terry Riley and just so, just a different whole, whole other thing, you know, AAC. But you were also a particularly attentive uh, right. person. Right, that's true. Which is when you're sitting in front of a group of 60 people and right. you can see one person is like really right. paying attention <laughs> right. and, you right. know, so you, right. and, and uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is yes. that, um, I just heard you a couple of weeks ago at the Bergamo Jazz Festival, yes. and um, I was helping out at the sound check, and right. I said to the salmon, you know, sax- saxophone's kind of, it's kind of loud. And he goes, okay, I'll turn it off. He turned it off, and it was like just as loud. So right. I don't remember that right. back then, and right. so you've done some, I mean, your sound is like enormous on the, on the yeah, I've tenor done, sax. I've done a lot of long tones. Uh-huh. And just a lot of tone work in general. You know, I just, you know, that's the From first. any particular method or teacher or um, book or? Not any, just a combination of things over, over, over time. I've had a lot yeah. of different professors with a lot of different concepts. And then I decided to take what I felt fit the most. Wow, You that's know, great. like overtones yep. and... Um, just a lot of long tones, really. I mean, as annoying as that can be sometimes, it's really beneficial because then you know without a doubt like how to how to channel that sound all the time. Now, I'm still doing long tones mm-hmm. because I'm not there yet in my mind, but I'm still Me neither. right. I'm still doing long tones. <laughs> right. I also feel like it's how you get to know your instrument. Right. Each note that's true. Has a different weight and that's true. feeling and intonation, and so right. when you spend a lot of time, you spend a lot of time and just you know drive um, the ni- neighbors crazy. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you have to have a concept of sound. Mm-hmm. I know that. Um, I've always been attracted to O sounds, like mm. O. Like if I hear Sonny Rollins, it's very O. <laughs> Dexter Gordon is very O. Um, John Coltrane to a certain point mm-hmm. is very O, but then you know you hear a lot of E in there too. <laughs> so I started to pay attention to that more, like what you know. Um, even uh, speaking of which, at the time that I when I met you that summer, I was listening to a lot of Wardell Gray and Dewey Redmond, who also have a lot of mm-hmm. O in their mm-hmm. sounds, like round, like round, warm. a very round sound, yeah. right, as opposed to E. Right. Um, now, sometimes, of course, when I'm playing, I'll go into an E sound, but that has more to do with my time playing at church um, and hearing that Leslie. Like, if you hear vibrato in my sound, and it's <laughs> sometimes can be a little hyperactive, it's from hearing that Leslie as a kid, mm. you know that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not going to try to get rid of it. I do mm-hmm. my long tones and try to have as even a tone as possible. Mm-hmm. But those are the things that make me who I am. So, you know, yeah. that's great. Um, and it leads to this other question of you're now pretty involved in hip hop influences Mm -hmm. and rap and using the human voice on your records and spoken word, but also rap Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, blending with this other information that comes from a different place. I mean, is that something that you consciously, or is it just, you just, Well, I think it was around, 
you know, like uh-huh. as, a, as a kid, it was around. I wouldn't say that I was like completely engulfed in hip hop. I was definitely like a quirky kid. You know, you could find me singing Temptations or Boys to Men or then I'm listening to, you know, Rashid Ali and John Coltrane. Mm-hmm. So I had varied musical experiences, but I think for me, what attributed it to um, this examination of hip hop later on in my life is just reflecting on Buffalo and my childhood and Days of Freeman, that whole essence um, of trying to get those rhythms, different rhythms and different approaches, those interludes. A lot of hip hop music has interludes and has mm-hmm. speaking in it, yeah. especially the, 90, not the early 90s. And I was checking out a lot of different albums too from, um, you know, I, I had to do my research. I didn't want to uh-huh. just just come up with this. It's just that's how I stumbled. So, like, on. what artists are we talking about? Here? Um, I mean, you know, Bomical Love is on the uh-huh. album, mm. and that's a 1985 uh, Don Cherry Homeboy. You know, he made this album Homeboy, and he's mm-hmm. rapping and stuff. And yeah. then um, some Donald Byrd stuff, uh, Greg Osby, um, Combustication. Mm-hmm. You know, from. Uh, Desky Martin and Wood. So, you know, just a lot of varied, you know, Courtney Pine, I mean, Branford's attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, I checked out a lot of different albums and I wanted to make sure I was not um, repeating. And then on top of that, the whole, the whole influence is I also have an older brother who's seven years older than me. So I didn't have to think about how to do it. I just had to remember what those sounds sounded like because he was always playing hip hop. He was definitely Mm -hmm. into hip hop. And Mm. I was just naturally just a little kid, you know, like any other little kid picking up the information that's around me. And he's a teenager. And I remember my mom saying, Hey, you know, can you, can you turn that down? It's Saturday, it's Saturday morning, you know, we're trying to sleep. So, but you, you blend it with a lot of free playing. Right. That's true. Just kind of a unique element to it. Yeah. I, that is, I was thinking about that um, recently. There is a point in I, what I feel, and so I've just not discovered, but in playing, that uh, if something is in a key, a certain key, you could have a almost like a a, a speech pattern, or a, like if you're pretending in your mind that you're a rapper, you can sort of use any note to go over anything because it's how you're inflecting it, just like how the human voice is. The human voice isn't necessarily like in a specific key, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so you're using like a, like a speech inflection. Yeah. Speech inflection sort of almost like if, if, if I was a rapper, you know, if I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's uh, a lot Would of you say this of new that. record no filter is is even further into that zone I, w- I would say that it it's still in there but then it's it's like maybe maybe even leaving that some, uh-huh. somewhat because we're like we're hard hidden we're it's grittier and it's more in your face you know once again with the energy because these individuals I've been working with for two years and we didn't have anything on we didn't, you know, as a unit, because I, f- I felt like we've been practicing, which is important, um, shedding together. Um, and I wanted to document that. And I didn't want any. It's called no filter for a variety of reasons. The basic reason is like no hoopla, no popping circumstance or having the, fi- the, 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 the cover of the album, um, not the one that's going to come out in June, which is the physical release, but the digital is just mm-hmm. selfie, mm-hmm. you know, like. We kind of live in this day and age where you don't have to have a whole bunch of uh, hoopla to to put out the music. The music was Mm -hmm. recorded in 48 hours, Mm. you know, and Mm -hmm. so. But after two years of practicing. Yeah, but after two years of practicing, right. But that's, you know. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, they're trying to rename the Williamsburg Bridge the Sonny Rollins Bridge. I heard that. Because that's where he spent. That's pretty awesome. Why not? So this is, they all live in New York, too. And you. Right. Well, I live, No. I'm oh. the only one that live. Uh, it's, I live in New York. They live in DC. Oh, okay. Well, I met oh. them. I met the bass player at a gig, and was it 2000? Yeah, 2012. He was playing with 
Ross Moshe and um, wow. and Will Connell. Oh man, <laughs> you wow. know, um, yeah, hmm. rest in peace, Will Connell. Yeah. Um, they were playing at the, Breck, at the Breck Forum, and he was playing upright, Luke Stewart, and I was like, wow, okay, this guy. And you know, I I vibed with him. I felt like it was a it was a good connection. I had played with other people, and I still play with other people, but mm-hmm. it was just something about Luke. And then it seems him. like a great trio yeah like, no tight. it was really, really let's hear a little b- bit and then we'll, we'll talk Definitely. a little more so Definitely. this is a track from this new release which is out digitally right and it's coming out on lp and cd june 9th in, in june yep june. of this year 2017 yes. whenever you're listening to this podcast <laughs> right <laughs> just, so this is raise up off me off me from no filter yes yes and that's uh brandon lewis that's warren trey crewed up the third mm-hmm. on drums i met him through luke you know for those that are out there um i personally feel like it's important if the bass and the drummer are getting along so they're <laughs> friends <laughs> and um i noticed that they had a connection and a vibe and so um it's know, so true yes <laughs> it's really true but you know i i, I think you there's probably examples in the history of the music where you could think of two people that didn't get along at all. Yeah, probably. And yet it made the energy in the music even more. That's true. But in this case. That it, yeah, in this, in this case, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, um, that's awesome. But yeah. That's great. So yeah. what's what's next? What, what, what's the... um, well, number one, just trying to get better on the yeah. horn. And um, Well, you're playing with William Parker's quartet. Yes. So that's. Yes, amazing. That, that's been an amazing uh, experience, and I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities um, um, to play with him, and hopefully other other people. Um, I'm just trying to grow and get better. I have some other music that I'm working on, and uh, um, this uh, Dvorak project that I told you about. That music, I was a part of a marionette theater and did the work of Dvorak, Dvorak in America. Um, so that music is still out there yet to be recorded, but um, that's that's the plan. That's trio music also. That's trio music too, but I might have some special guests or whatever, but I'm still working on the music along with some other music. And you have a stuff. duo with... Uh, I have a duo with Chad Taylor, uh-huh. yes. And that, um, we started, me and Chad started playing, I want to say maybe two years ago. Mm. Um, I just, 
you know, like musicians do, Hey, you want to play? And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we started playing and, uh, well, tenor and drums is, is a sound too. Yes. I mean, it's a big I mean history. exactly. And one, it, I think our connection point with that was, um, what was it? The, uh, the Dewey Redmond album with Ed Blackwell. Was it black Co- and black Codona? and red. Is it? I no, think. maybe that's with Don Cherry. Yeah. yeah. I, I, know, I can't yeah. remember the name of it. Yeah. But uh, somebody will write that was in our hopefully. Co- I know. Right. <laughs> that was our connection point. Oh, we were talking about that album. Wow. And, um, you know, huh. it's like, wow. Okay. And you know, so there's, there's, I'm sure there's plenty that I'm missing, but yeah, that's a really good vibe. And Chad is amazing drummer. I mean, I was listening to, uh, not too long ago. Listened to the stuff that he played with. Uh, he used to play with Fred Anderson back mm-hmm. a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I said, "Wow, man!" You know. So there's definitely a a bond there, and um, I was, um, yeah. So hopefully we we have that. There, that's another Great. record that's out there. Well, if people want to hear more, your website yes, jblewis.com. Cool. <laughs> and there's a lot of good information there, and music, and videos, and. Uh, yes. So um, I guess we'll uh, go out with another track from No Filter, but I just want to say thank you for for joining this. Thank you so much. It's really great to hear it. Thank you. Saxophone playing is amazing, but also the concept and the composition and the the group dynamic of the music is really really important these days, especially. Thank you so much. So thank you. All right. All right. <laughs> we are like